Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Indeed, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy are you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Lord, we thank you for for the time that we've had to worship, the opportunity, the breath to worship you. And may indeed you, O Christ, be magnified in our lives. Now, Lord, as we open your word, Lord, help us to see you. Make our hearts soft for you and for the message that you have for us. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is our prayer in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would, open them to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And when you get to Psalm 19, if you would and are able, would you stand in honor of God's Word? Psalm 19. Hear the Word of God for the people of God this Lord's Day. The title of this psalm in... The translators have had it in in my scripture says the law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19, beginning in verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. Hey, good news this morning. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to, to preach this morning. It is good to be back. I was here a few years back, maybe my first or second year at Union, and so it's it's great to be back with you uh, at First Baptist Goodlessville and um, to to share this morning with you and uh, thanks for also bringing Jordan Hall. Jordan and I 
serve at Inglewood together, and I served as interim pastor there, and Jordan led worship, so it feels like we're right at home. Thanks for, for making us at home. And, uh, you know, it's humbling to be allowed to preach God's Word. And as I preach, my prayer is that anything that I, that I think and say would be pleasing in God's sight. I wouldn't mind if you like me as well, but what I really want is to be pleasing in God's sight. And I also hope that it edifies and equips you as you seek to live faithfully unto the Lord. But as a reminder, anything that I say that doesn't line up with God's word should be discarded. Period. Now, I pray that I'll never do anything. I know Lyle does this as well. He prays that he'll never do anything that's not in line with God's word. But, but I'm not perfect. And Lyle's not perfect. Only God's word is perfect. And I pray that you, God's people at First Baptist Church, Goodlettsville, will always be, be people who love God's word, who want to know God's word and study God's word, that you be like the Bereans. Luke describes the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11, this way. He says, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily, to see if these things were so. I pray that you would be people like the Bereans, examining the scriptures daily to see if they were so. All right, let's get to it. You probably noticed immediately in, in this psalm that there are, there's a structure to the psalm. It's, it's pretty evident from this. Just um, want to just point this out to you. Listen, if you... If you write in your Bibles, then you can certainly do that here. It'll help you remember this. If you're taking notes, just take this somewhere else so you can stick it with this psalm to remember it. But, but verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 19 speak of God's revelation through nature. You see it there, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The, it's talking about the sun coming out and that, that day after day the, the voice of God can be heard and seen through his creation. And even night after night as the, the stars through, move through the skies and the moon in its course, all of that is a testimony to God who created it all. We call that general revelation. It's why in Romans Paul says that, that all are without excuse because all of us can can open our eyes and we can see God's creation. Some people, some people really love the fall and the changing of the leaves and it reminds them of, of God's glory. Some people glory in the, the spring and the, the beauty of the springtime and the, the green and the flowers bursting forth. And all of us glory in the beauty of sunrises and sunsets. All of that is because we understand that God created it all and he is worthy of praise. And then you notice after verse six, beginning in verse seven, that the that the scripture shifts. And so if you if you write in your Bible, just bracket one through six and write general revelation or revelation about creation or nature verses seven through eleven speak of God's revelation through the law or the scriptures. The law of the Lord is, is God's holy word to us. This is a specific or special revelation of God. These, these are God's words to us. 
And that's why they're special and we should hold them as special. And you see in verses 7 through 11 there that the emphasis that the psalmist is placing on this special revelation of God. Yes, we have general revelation, but praise God, we also have God's special revelation through his word. And then in verses 12 through 14, speak to how we should live in light of God's revelation, both his general revelation and his special revelation. That's what this psalm is doing. C.S. Lewis called Psalm 19 the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And I would agree, it's just incredibly beautiful. Did you know that every year the American Library Association receives reports from libraries and schools and the media on attempts to ban books in communities across the country? It sort of makes sense, right? The association then, what they do is they compile a list of challenge books in order to inform the public about censorship efforts that affect libraries and schools. Now, you'd probably not be surprised to learn that virtually all of the books that make up the top ten list on the American Library Association contain explicit sex or seek to advance the homosexual and transgender lifestyle agenda. Books like Fifty Shades of Grey, or Two Boys Kissing, or Looking for Alaska, and I Am Jazz. And, and I want to say to you, parents, if you find books like this in your elementary and middle and high school children's libraries, you should, in fact, say something about that. Because it, they shouldn't be exposed to such things in their young lives. What might surprise you, though, is the book that comes in number six on the 2015 most challenged list. It's the world's all time bestseller. You know it? The Bible. That's right. The Bible. By the way, the Bible isn't just the bestseller of all time. The Bible is the bestseller every single year by like. Thousands of miles, it's the bestseller every single year. And any, any idea of that is that it, that's truly remarkable. You think about this. God didn't have a blockbuster once upon a time. God has the blockbuster every single year. Nothing has ever even come close to the sales of the Bible. Now, the American Library Association says the Bible made their list because of its religious viewpoint. <laughs> right. To them, the Bible is more dangerous than things like Fifty Shades of Grey or Two Boys Kissing. Now, this is nothing new. Many of you are familiar with Bible Gateway. Rachel Barak, the manager of Bible Gateway, told Christianity Today, the Bible has been criticized, challenged, and banned by individuals, groups, and governments through centuries of persecutions. We know this to be true. Here in America, the Bible was, until very recently, a cornerstone of our culture and our national life. The famous lines from the Declaration of Independence were based on a distinctly scriptural, biblical worldview. We hold these truths self to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their... Creator 
with certain inalienable rights. You know, it's popular today to say that our nation's founder founders weren't Christians. And it, it doesn't really matter where you fall on that. And it doesn't really matter what the degree of their Christian faith was. Only God knows that ultimately. But they certainly understood the importance of the Bible to living a well-ordered life. Patrick Henry, who famously said, give me liberty or give me death. You've heard of that. Also, not quite as famously said, the Bible is a book worth more than all the other books that were ever printed. And I would say amen to that. Then there's Abraham Lincoln, who stated in 1864, after receiving a Bible from a group of African-Americans in Baltimore, he said, in regard to this great book, I have but to say it is the best gift God has given to men. All the good Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are, after are to be found portrayed in it. These statements would find it. These statesmen would find it startling, to say the least, that the Bible would end up on the same list as Fifty Shades of Grey. At her coronation in 1953, Queen Elizabeth II, you know her? That's right. The Queen of England, the woman who owns all the crown jewels. She was instructed this way to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God and the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. You see, the one of the most wealthy women in the world, when she was crowned Queen of England, she was reminded nothing is more valuable in your kingdom or anywhere else than this right here. Somebody say amen. Let me ask you something. Do you remember uh, theme songs to shows that you used to watch growing up? Do you guys remember some of those? We used to watch the Beverly Hillbillies. Anybody else watch the Beverly Hillbillies? Well, see if you can remember this. The, the theme song went something like this. Let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground came a bubbling crew. Oil, that is. Yeah, you know it. Texas tea. I, I remember coming home from school. Our, our tradition, our, our family, what we did when we came home from school is we watched Gilligan's Island. And I praise God my parents weren't into health food at all. And so we had this big bowl of greasy potato chips and Kool-Aid with all the sugar in it. You know what I'm saying? It was good. And we watched Gilligan's Island, right? Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. They started from this traffic port aboard this tiny ship. Isn't it amazing how you can remember that? And on Friday nights growing up, we would all gather around the TV set to watch the Brady Bunch. Anybody else? Brady Bunch? Yes, absolutely. We watched the Brady Bunch, right? Here's the story. A lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold. Like their mother, 
the youngest one in curls. Now the young people are over here saying, this is so weird. Talk about strange encounters. But listen, listen, you guys, you guys do the same thing. The, the reality is that we listen to commercials so much. So, so young people, you could probably get this. So if it, commercial jingers, something like this, if I say nationwide. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or if I say we are farmers. See, young people, too. It happens to all of us, right? Now, what about Psalm 119, verse 105? You know what that says? I'll start it for you and see if you can finish. Thy word is a... Absolutely. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, the, the challenge is, is that we memorize theme songs to our favorite television shows. And we are so saturated with media that these commercials are just playing over and over in our minds. But the, and, and frankly, we know a lot about our favorite fantasy teams and the way their standings are, the way to our favorite uh, athletic teams. But most of us spend very little time in God's word. And that's the challenge for us this morning. And frankly, it's the challenge that that Psalm 19 is trying to present to us, whether we're whether we're. Whether we're in the first century Christian church or we're in the 21st century Christian church, the same case can be made. The reason I say that is because sanctification is another word for spiritual growth. That's what we all want. We want to grow spiritually. That's called sanctification. That's the theological term. And in, in John 17, 7, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 7, Jesus prayed for us in this prayer. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That was Jesus speaking to his followers, praying for his followers. And, and, and listen, spiritual growth, the way spiritual growth happens is that we replace lies with the truth of God. The deceiver tells us lies and sanctification, our spiritual growth, is exchanging those lies for the truth of God. And, and, and the way that happens is... The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. And that's why we need to be in the Word. So to become like Jesus, we've got to fill our lives with His Holy Word. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In James chapter 1, verse 18, the brother of Jesus says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created. What we understand from that is that we could not even exist without God's word. He spoke us into being. We cannot live without the word of God. Many of us take it for granted. But it should be just as important to us as food. The Bible talks about the word of God as food in first Peter, chapter two, verses two and three, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So buy it that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Matthew, chapter four, verse four, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
And in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 2, Paul writes to followers of Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. In Psalm Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. In these four verses, just the ones that I've just said, God's word is described as milk, bread, solid food, and a sweet dessert. It's a full meal deal. Right there in God's word. There are more Bibles in print today than ever before. And you have a Bible on your phone if you have a smartphone. But God's word on a shelf or in your pocket doesn't do any good unless it's opened up and studied. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. We must abide in his word because the spirit of God uses the word of God to make us like the son of God. Do you know every research study that's ever been done about spiritual growth says the one thing that will make a difference no matter where you are in your journey with Christ. If you are apart from Christ or if you've been walking with Christ for for 60 or 70 years, the one thing that will help you grow spiritually is to read God's word. There are three parts to abiding in God's word. And so I want us to look at that today. The first is that we accept the Bible's authority. We accept the Bible's authority. Look at verses 7 through 9 just really quickly. The law of the Lord is perfect. That's how it's telling us it's an authority reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules, the just precepts of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We need to accept the Bible's authority. Now, we have a statement about this as Southern Baptists. As Southern Baptists, this is what we say about the Bible. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired as in, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by, what, by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine Revelation. That's what we say as Southern Baptists about the importance of God's word. In fact, the Bible is so important to us as Southern Baptists that this is the first article of our confession of faith, the Baptist faith and message. Article one speaks to the Bible. The Bible must be the authoritative standard for your life. The Bible must have the first and last word in your life. There are a lot of other authorities that people listen to. People listen to culture. Culture is, is, is sort of everybody's doing it, right? And, and we look more like culture. We can look less like God's word. And we have to be careful about that. And people will say to you, well, everybody's doing it. Well, if everybody's doing it, but God's word says don't do it, then I would suggest you don't do it. There's a corollary to this as well that you're going to be hearing a lot in the in the years ahead. And that is you're the only one not doing it. And you will you will come you will come up against greater and greater pressure to conform to the culture 
Because if you are living biblically, you are going to be living counter to the culture. Do you know what I'm saying? And you're going to be confronted with this and people are going to say to you, but you're the only one who believes that. So you have to conform to what we believe. And when you get to that point, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready and I want you to look that person in the eye and I want you to say, it may be that I'm the only one who believes that, but I'm going to stick with God and his word no matter what. People will follow culture, but culture will lead you away from God's word if you're not thoughtful and careful. A second thing that people use is tradition. Tradition says we've always done it that way. You might have heard that before. We've always done it that way. Now, listen, I'm not against tradition. Union's about to be 200 years old. We've got lots of traditions, some that go back a long time. But if there's a tradition that doesn't line up with God's word, it needs to be discarded. It's just junk. A a third thing is that people will appeal to reason. That's what they'll use for their authority, reason. Now, again, I'm from a college, and so we we talk a lot about this. It It just seemed logical, right? We reasoned it all out. Well, you can reason yourself away from God's word, and you want to be careful about that because, again, God's word should have first and last word in your life. And then finally, emotion, emotion. It just felt right. It just felt good. I was following my heart. We hear a lot these days. And even in the song we sang, we're not going to we're not going to form ourselves based on our feelings. And that's a great line to sing. But it's also the way we should live. We shouldn't be formed by our emotions. We should be formed by God's word. If you live your life based on any of these culture Tradition, reason, or emotion. If that's the first and last in your life, you are going to fail. But if God's word is first in your life, the last in your life, the perfect standard, you are going to be fine. And there's a trap that, that some people fall into, um, particularly college students that I've worked with for years, and they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, Dr. Dub, I want to follow the Bible, but I don't like the Bible, what the Bible has to say about, and then they fill in with some blank. As if the, the Bible was some sort of like you go down the line in a cafeteria and be like, I like that, I like that, I like that. That's not the Bible. God's word is whole, and it must be taken by us as whole. We must accept all of it because it is perfect. Mark Twain said, It ain't the parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. And that's true. And so we have to accept the Bible's authority. Even in our churches the, the pulpits are elevated, not just so that you can see the preacher, but to show the centrality of the word. The reason that the, the message is central to our, our services is because it's to remind us all that the, the, the preaching of God's word is central. And ultimately that God's word prevails over everything that we do as a church. So the, the first question I have for you this morning is, have you decided to accept the authority of God's word in your life? And are you living that way? 
The second thing that we have to do is we have to assimilate the Bible's truth. We have to assimilate the Bible's truth. Look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. It isn't enough just to to believe the Bible. You've got to fill your mind with it. You've got to let the Holy Spirit transform you based on God's word. And there are five ways that you can do this. Just encourage you with these quickly. The first is you can receive God's word. You listen to God's word. You can listen to Christian music. You can listen to gospel music. You can listen to, you can in fact listen to the Bible on your phone through Bible Gateway and Bible apps. Somebody literally reading the word of God. That's what I'm talking about, receiving. All you have to do is just listen to it. And sometimes people will say, well, how do I know if a song is good or not? Here's how you know if a song is good or not. If it lines up with God's word, it's good. If it doesn't agree with God's word, it's not good and you shouldn't be filling your mind with it. A second thing that we can do is we can read. The reality is that many Christians, many believers are more faithful to to reading their social media feeds than they are to reading God's word. They're more attentive to their video games than they are to God's word. They watch their favorite shows or binge their favorite shows on Netflix and spend very little time in God's word. And did you know that you can you can read the whole Bible through in a year in just about 15 minutes a day? 15 minutes a day will get you through the whole Bible in one year. And if you never do that, have never done that, I'd encourage you to do that starting today. A third thing you can do is research. You can study the Bible for yourself. Ask questions. Write down your insights. You know, we're Protestants, right? Right? When I say we're Protestants, that means we're not Catholic. That's what Protestant means. We're Protestants. And we believe that the Holy Spirit guides us as we study God's word. So I want to say to you is you don't need me to help you understand God's word. And you don't need a priest either. In fact, as Baptists, we call it the priesthood of the believer. And what that means is that there is no intermediary necessary except for Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 declares this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And by the way, you don't need a library either, or a theology degree, or the internet. Not that any of those things are bad. I have a, a great library. I have great access to tools. So does Lyle. But the reality is those aren't necessary for you to research the Bible. Why? Because the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Let me show you a picture that I have in my office. This is a, a picture that I love. It shows the the continuity of the scriptures. It shows the cross references in the Bible. The, there's a bar graph running below the bottom that looks like a bar graph running along the bottom. You see that? And, and you, you, it's hard to make out here, but the, the colors alternate. So there's sort of a gray and then a white and a gray and white. And those represent the books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, all the way through Revelation. And then the length of the line going down indicates how long the chapter is. Okay. 
And so you see this, this long line that looks like it's in the middle of the book. A lot of times people will think that's the division between the Old Testament and New Testament. This is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. Does anybody know what the longest chapter in the Bible is? Psalm 119. That's correct. Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119 is about what? The Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's all about the Bible. And then this is a representation so that the you see there are some uh, arcs that are closer and some that some that are further apart. And so these longer ones show where Genesis is referenced in Revelation and back. But you also see that there's a lot of inter book discussion and um, cross references in total. There are sixty three thousand seven hundred and seventy nine cross references in the Bible. 63,779, and they're all represented here. And what this professor wanted to do was to show the, the continuity of the scriptures, the beauty of the scriptures as one. And so sometimes people will say to you, as they say to me, listen, the Bible is this old book. It was written by all these different people, and it's not even unified. Clearly, the Bible is unified when you look at it in a form like this. And you know it's unified if you've researched it. So we receive God's word, we read God's word, we research God's word, and then we remember God's word. The fourth way that, that, that we assimilate God's word into our lives is that we remember it. We, we memorize God's word. And so I want to ask you this morning, what verses of scripture have you committed to memory? The psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? And then he goes on to answer his own question. He says, by living according to your word. And then he adds in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's what we should do as well. We should hide God's word in our heart. We should memorize scripture. Now, some of you are saying, like, I'm not good at that. Well, see how easy it is to memorize television jingles and how easy it is to memorize songs and how easy it is if we'll pay attention to something. God's word is the same way. And so you can start with an easy one. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. See, you can memorize scripture. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. I remember we just celebrated or just commemorated. It celebrated is the wrong word to use. We just commemorated the nine eleven attacks. And I remember um, at the time we were at Baylor and I was serving at Baylor and um, two Baylor alums had been kidnapped by the Taliban in Afghanistan right before nine eleven. Their names were. Heather Mercer and Dana Curry. I don't know if you remember those two young ladies' stories. They had been kidnapped along with four Germans and two Australians um, prior to the 9-11 attacks. And then they were rescued by American troops um, later in in, uh, what was 2012 then. And I never will forget when they they came home. We had a big homecoming celebration for them. Praise and worship, you can imagine what a wonderful time that was. And I remember um, Heather, Heather Mercer and Danny Curry talking during that time, and they said that, uh, of course, the Taliban took all of their Bibles away from them, all of their, any of the resources they had, they took away from them. And all the Bible they had left at that point was the Bible that they had memorized. And it was really convicting to me that, that we ought to be people who who memorize scriptures so that no matter what happens to us, we have access to it. That's why we 
memorize God's scripture because then you don't have to go look it up. You don't have to do an Internet search. You don't have to pull your phone out. If you can call it to mind, just how think how much more valuable God's word is to you in that moment. And I know what you're probably thinking. You're like, Dub, I am not going to Afghanistan. I get that. I don't recommend going to Afghanistan unless God calls you there. And then you should go, of course. But even even in our own day, there are more and more restrictions about where Bibles can be. And all the more reason for us to be proactive in memorizing God's word so that we'll have it. And finally, this fifth thing, we, we assimilate God's word by reflecting, by reflecting. Listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to reflect because worrying is putting your mind's attention on all the things that can go wrong, all the bad things that can happen. All right. Reflecting is putting your mind's attention on all the things that have gone right and God's faithfulness so that we can sing how good and faithful he is. Right. Great is thy faithfulness. That's what reflecting is, is remembering how good God is. If we're going to abide in God's word, we need to recognize its authority and accept it. We need to assimilate its truth. And the third thing that we need to do is we need to apply God's word to our lives. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. You see, God's word helps us understand what are the guardrails that we need to have? What are the things that we need to avoid? What are the things that we're being warned about in God's word? And in keeping God's word, then we have great reward. There's this promise of God that if we'll keep his word, he is faithful and just. We've got to be people who are not merely hearers of the word, but doers as well. And oftentimes we hear things, maybe it's a good sermon, maybe it's a a speaker or a preacher, and as good as it was to hear it, we don't actually apply it in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself, let's not be just hearers of the word, but doers as well. And if there's something that God in his word has told you to do that you're not currently doing I beg you to to put that down, to lay it down, to repent of that and to follow him and what he calls us in his word. Well, as a reminder, the spirit of God uses the word of God to make us like the son of God. And we do that when we abide in his word, when we accept the Bible's authority when we assimilate the Bible's truth and when we apply the Bible to our lives. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let's pray together. Lord God, we We desire to be people of the book, to be people who not only know your word, O God, but who do it. And we confess before you today that that we often don't spend enough time in your word and give enough attention to what you are calling us to do. So, Lord, I ask 
by the power of your spirit to help each of us to do just that. Lord, may we may we be people who accept the authority of your word, who, Lord, who take your word in and assimilate into our lives, Lord, and that that people will see that we're living out your word because it is in us. Make this true by the power of your word, the strength of your son, and the graciousness of the spirit living within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.